Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we concluded our look at the testimony of Rittenhouse associate Ryan Balch. On today's episode, we present Prosecutor Thomas Binger's direct examination of Jason Lukowski, another of the armed individuals who was with the defendant on the night of the shootings. That's all coming up right after the break. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. On November 5th, 2021, the first Friday of the Rittenhouse trial, Judge Bruce Schrader began the day by dismissing juror number 27 at her request for health reasons. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. And um, uh, number 27 was uh, experiencing some mild discomfort. Uh, she's pregnant and uh, requested to be dismissed. And I have granted that request with the consent of the attorneys. So there's 18 of us and I don't want to hear any sniffles or sneezing. Prosecutor Thomas Binger then calls Jason Lakowski to the stand. Lakowski sports a short haircut and wears a gray suit, a gray striped tie, and a white spread collar dress shirt. The witness explains that he is an ex-Marine from Green Bay and that he linked up with his friend Ryan Balch in Kenosha to help protect the property of the community's citizens. Binger asks Lakowski about his activities on the night of August 25th, 2020. Why did you come to Kenosha that night? Just to help out. Can you tell us more about that? I saw the community in trouble, and I wanted to come help any way that I could. I know you said you saw things yourself. I assume that's on the internet? Correct. Did you speak with Mr. Balch or anyone else about your desire to come to Kenosha? Yes. Can you tell us about what the plan was? To come down and help any way we could. It was to uh, protect local property. How were you planning on doing that? Just to make sure nobody would come and harm the property that we were supposed to protect. And how exactly, what methods were you going to use to accomplish that goal? Shouting. Anything else? I was training the shout, shove, show, shoot. What does that mean? You shout, you shove, you show your firearm, and you shoot. Did you have a firearm that night? Yes, sir. What kind of weapon did you have? An AR-15. So tell us what you did when you came down to Kenosha. When I came down, I linked up with uh, Ryan. He brought me around to our, I guess, our area of occupation, which is where we were just supposed to protect. He introduced me to everybody that was there. Couldn't really tell you most of their names because it was just in one or out the other. And then I took my post and that was it. Where was your post? It was on the southwest corner of that car lot I was on. Is it fair to say that up until the time of the shootings, which we will get to in a moment, you, after visiting the 63rd Street location, came back and stayed at that 59th Street location? Yes, sir. Tell us about your experience at that 59th Street location. For the first little bit of me being there, it was pretty boring, just milling about, doing whatever. 
And then once the police started to push the protesters toward us, that's when things got a little chaotic. Everybody was screaming, running, running back toward us. Um, there were a few people that were attempting to come into the car lot. I had yelled at them to stop. They, they went about their way. Um, at one point, I know that there was an individual that I believe hurt her ankle. And then Kyle had helped her. There, for the most part, once that happened, there was a lot of actually polite conversations between myself and a lot of the protesters and everything like that. Um, and at that point, that's really all that happened. You indicated it started to get, I think you said chaotic. Was Correct. The word? What made it chaotic? Can you describe that more specifically? The way that I see it is that you had the actual protesters and you had the a-holes that were trying to use the protest as their own gain. Sorry. You're in court. I'm sorry. I apologize, Your Honor. There were protesters and then there were other people that were using this for what purpose in your mind? To cause havoc. Tell us more about the chaos that you observed. Because I had talked to a lot of individuals that were there to legitimately protest and they were some of them were saying how there were people that were instigating a lot of things that they weren't part of what was going on. And I had noticed that a lot, that there were people that were using that to, I got to know, cause, just cause havoc. What specific types of havoc did you witness? People throwing things at police, people starting fires, people with malintent. Other than throwing things at police and starting fires, did you observe any other specific instances of, to use your word, havoc? There were some individuals that to, were the, to the west of us that were, they were trying to come onto the property to start one of the cars on fire and we had stopped them. And then they had a lot of vulgar, they had a lot, lot to say that was not nice. And they had said that they were going to come back and burn down this explicit terms and then later on, maybe five, 10 minutes later, they start throwing rocks at us. Binger then asks Lukowski specifically about Joseph Rosenbaum. There's been some testimony in this case uh, about someone who has been identified as Joseph Rosenbaum. As you sit here today, do you know who we're talking about? Yes, sir. On that night, and again, I'm gonna ask you to try and put yourself back in the frame of mind that you were in that night and try and ignore anything you might've learned since then. At that time, that night on August 25th, when you were at the 59th Street car source, did you have any idea who Joseph Rosenbaum was? No, sir. The folks that you just mentioned that attempted to start a car on fire, was Joseph Rosenbaum one of those people? No, sir. Were there any other examples of things that you observed around that time period? Uh, individuals were throwing what's, uh, what you would call chlorine bombs at us and the police. Did you see who any of those people were? I did not see you through that, no. Was Mr. Rosenbaum any one of those people? Not that I know of, no. Prosecutor Binger next seeks to invoke Lakowski's testimony about his own military training history as a benchmark for engagement with and use of force against a hostile crowd. I think you mentioned that when the crowd was being pushed back, there were some words exchanged between your group and the crowd, is that fair to say? Correct. Can you tell us more about that? They were just screaming nonsense. And there were try. I know that there was a few individuals that attempted to come to the car lot and we, we yelled at them to back off. And they did. The individuals that were attempting to start that car on fire, how did you stop them from doing that? 
yell at them. You used, I think, what was it? Shout, shove, show, and shoot. Correct. Did you ever have to get to the second step? No. Shouting was enough? Correct. Binger then asks Lukowski about his interactions with the defendant on the night of the shootings. Did you speak with the defendant when you were at that 59th Street location that night? Initially, yes. Do you remember anything that he said? He introduced himself, that is his name. He said that he was an EMT. What did you think about that? I think it's just an EMT out here to help, just like we were. Did he tell you how old he was? No. How old did you think he was? I assumed he was 18. Why did you assume that? Because in the state of Wisconsin, you have to be 18, I believe, in order to have your EMT license. And he was carrying a firearm. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Next, Prosecutor Binger pivots back to eliciting Lakowski's observations of Joseph Rosenbaum as tensions escalated in downtown Kenosha on the night of August 25th. Did there come a time while you were at the 59th Street car source where you observed an individual that you now know to be Joseph Rosenbach. Yes. How many times that night did you observe that person? Just the one incident. Can you tell us what you observed? He had been acting very belligerently. Like he had uh, asked very bluntly to shoot him. He did a few what I would call false stepping, which is making a step to entice somebody to do something. He had done that a few times. After he'd done that a few times, I turned my back to him and ignored him. What did you think of him? A babbling idiot. Did you consider him a threat? No. Did you feel that he posed any danger to you or anyone else? No. You said that he was asking someone to shoot him? Correct. Was he saying that to you? He said that to me, and he said that, I believe, to multiple others. Something along the lines of, shoot me, shoot me, would that be fair to say? There was more explicit terms after that, yes, but yes. Did you see him with any sort of weapon? Outside of that bag, no. Did you see him with a gun? No. Did you see him with a knife? No. Did you see him with a club or a bat of any kind? No. Did you see him with a chain? No. Did you have any other weapons other than that AR-15 that night? I had my knife. 
Anything else? I had a CS gas canister. What is a CS gas canister? It is a deterrent. It's like pepper spray, but a lot more potent. Is that also commonly referred to as tear gas? Yes. Prosecutor Binger asks Jason Lakowski about his experience of the shootings that are at the center of this trial. We've heard a lot of testimony and seen videos of what we now know to be the shootings. Um, and I think everybody's got a good idea now with hindsight of the sequence of those events. But what I want to ask you is, on that particular night, do you remember hearing or observing those shootings? I remember hearing gunfire, yes. Where were you located when you heard that? At the car lot on 59th of Sheridan. The original one that we've been talking yes. about? From what direction did you hear those shots coming from? From the south. What did you do, if anything? Ran toward them. That would be running, and I, I'm going to use the pointer here, that would be running in a direction from the car source at 59th and Sheridan, south on Sheridan Road? Correct. Do you remember encountering a line of armored police vehicles? I don't recall. Tell us what you remember. Once you, when, you started, when you heard those gunshots and started running, tell us what, what you remember about that. There was myself and another individual, I believe his name is Dustin, I'm not, I don't remember his actual name. Him and I ran down there. Once I got down there, I was by myself, I don't know where he went. And then I got to the corner of the lot, which there's an alleyway there and then the lot, there's a fence line. And then from there, uh, Mr. Rittenhouse came up to me. He had said, I don't remember exactly what he had said, but he had said something to me. And then I had told him to run toward the police, which he did. I had followed him a little ways, but then there was gunfire behind me. So I turned around to attempt to assess that. And then once again, there was gunfire behind me. And at, at that point, that is when, uh, pretty sure I blacked out, I don't remember that, anything after that. You said you're pretty sure you blacked out? Yes, because I don't remember anything. The next thing I remember is helping out with Gage. Here the witnesses referencing Gage Grosskreutz in the moments immediately after Grosskreutz had been shot by the defendant. Binger next leads the witness to establish that he ran into Kyle Rittenhouse on Sheridan Road near 63rd Street. How did the defendant appear to you? Frazzled. In shock. Did he have his weapon? Yes. Where Do you know where he came from? He uh, ran from the car lot. Were you still running at that point? At that point, when I linked up with him, I stopped. When you stopped, did you uh, come in close proximity with the defendant? Yes. Did you say anything to him, if you recall? I don't recall. And I think you indicated earlier you don't remember what he said to you. I do not. After the prosecutor shows Lakowski the FBI report on his statement to agents in the aftermath of the shootings, he renews the question. Lakowski initially misreads the report and then quickly corrects his error. Does it refresh your memory as to what the defendant said to you when you encountered him? He had indicated that he had shot somebody. According to your statement, Mr. Lakowski, uh, the you, you're... Sorry, did not shoot anybody. I apologize. I apologize. Just want to make that clear. Did not when, shoot when anybody. The, when the defendant spoke to you, he said he didn't shoot anyone. Correct. But he said he needed help. Yes. What did you tell him? If I, I, told, I told him to run to the police that were down the road. 
what did you do then? At that point, he started running. I followed him. Let me pause for a second, and I just want to make sure we get our directions correct. What direction did the defendant run from there? From here, that way. So north. North on Sheridan. And did you run in that same direction? Yes. What happened then? And then there was gunshots behind me. And when you say behind you, are you meaning back down south? Yes. What did you do then? I stopped and turned around. Where did you go? I was in place because not, um, it, did, it felt like seconds after there was more gunshots behind me, which had been to the north. And that would have been the direction that the defendant had been running? Yes. Is that the moment in time when you feel like you kind of blacked out? Yes. And I think this, you said the next thing you remember is Mr. Grosskreutz? Yes. Tell us about that. I remember being on the sidewalk, and then there was an individual on the ground screaming. I had walked up to them with a group of indiv individuals. Um, somebody was screaming for a tourniquet, I believe. So I had given an individual, I believe his name is CJ. I don't actually know if that's his name. I had given that to him. He had applied the tourniquet. He had done it wrong. So I had pushed him out of the way, applied it correctly for the most part, and I stayed with Gage until police showed up. What happened then? And then the police showed up, told me to back off. I backed off. Once he was in the vehicle, I had noticed an individual saying that there was a gun on the ground. He had pointed to it and started walking toward it. I pushed him out of the way. I had picked up said firearm. I dropped the magazine and emptied the chamber. Prosecutor Binger then asked Lakowski about the interactions that he and Ryan Balch had with reporters after the shootings. During that process, did anyone show you an image or a video of the person who was suspected to have committed these shootings? No, because they thought it was me. Those people thought it was you? Yes. When did you first learn that it was the defendant? I don't recall. Was there a time when you were speaking with those reporters that you learned that the person who was suspected to have done these shootings was the defendant, Kyle Rittenhouse? Yes. Is it fair to say that those reporters were asking you who that person was? They were asking me if I was the one that had done it because they were looking for a tall white individual with an Air 15 wearing a green shirt. And Which, that's what I was wearing. There were also people that were saying that the shooter was with your group. Yes. At that time when they were saying that to you, you knew that was true, correct? Yes. Is it fair to say that you didn't volunteer that information at that time? I did not. Did you ever approach any of the police that night and tell them what you knew? No. And with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next episode as we conclude our examination of state's witness, Jason Lakowski. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
You can find more information about this trial at our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.